This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Tonight we have Samuel with us and I'll let him get you going, tell your story. Um, yeah, sure. Okay, so I was uh, uh, born in Edmonton, but pretty mm-hmm. much uh, grew up here my whole life. Uh, I grew up in a pretty big, pretty big family. Had uh, three older brothers and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, Five kids is a lot. Yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, it was a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, my parents were always really busy working. Had, yeah. So I started. Uh, I actually started drinking really young, maybe, maybe like ten years old. Um, wow. What was it like at 10 though? Like to, I, I, like at that age, it was so like, I can't even remember barely anything. Um, yeah, like it was at that point, it was like sips of drinks at like Mm -hmm. parties and just sneaking around. And did I, I can't even remember like what the effects were like. Uh, I think probably because you were 10 and got drunk really quick and forgot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think like 13 was the first time I actually like poured my own drink or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, uh, I had a uh, uh, experience with uh, trauma really young, and actually, uh, uh, like suicidal ideation uh, mm-hmm. started at like six years old for me. Oh, jeez, um, man! So it's uh, yeah, it's it's weird telling my story because I yeah. actually don't. Uh, first ten years of my life are very very yeah. blank for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember like uh, just like immediately, like a lot of just like uh, just the desire to escape, mm-hmm. and it started with things like uh, uh, video games, just like. Mm-hmm. weird like crazy behaviors yeah. like i would do like stay up for two or three days at a time because i get like bad anxiety attacks yeah. uh trying to fall asleep and just weird weird behaviors mm-hmm. like that um that's not really weird behavior though like honestly like i understand how it might have felt like that yeah but i think it's pretty normal for a person who can't remember their first 10 years right yeah no that's like, uh that's really fair yeah because yeah. your, your brain's just doing the best it can right yeah 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 just trying to survive somehow absolutely and um, so yeah, so like anxiety was a really, really big theme for me growing up. And I think like, as far as just like kind of growing up and through childhood and teenage years, that was just like the really big theme of my life is being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and anxious and uh, trying to medicate that and trying to alleviate that mm-hmm. pain. Um, I didn't actually get like, as far as the trauma stuff, I didn't actually get memories back of that until I was... I don't know, like 21 or 22. So yeah. I didn't even, you know what I mean? Yep. Just a lot of like information that I didn't know was 
was there. percolating in there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think 13 is when I, uh, I first kind of like started looking at alcohol as a substance that could kind of alleviate the, uh, suffering in my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think it's, it started just as a, you know, trying to get attention at school and, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. create relationships that way. And then quickly I discovered that actually does something. Um, um, so yeah, I actually, uh, I don't know, by, by 14, I was drinking, drinking a few days a week and mm. taking like Advil because I didn't want to steal too much of, uh, yeah. my, uh, parents' alcohol and let them notice. So, uh, yeah. And then I, uh, I don't know, by, by 15, I was, uh, uh, it's when I started high school, I started smoking weed then. And, uh, um, I became very like disinterested in mm. school and anything to do with that. So yeah. I, I dropped out and I kind of just started, uh, uh, started doing my thing, um, and yeah, I uh, it got uh, I got really destructive. Home life was really unmanageable for me forever, um, and uh, mental health started getting really bad. And I just had a lot of a uh, lot of symptoms I didn't know that were like the word mental health was not in my vocabulary. Yeah. I didn't even you know know what <laughs> know what that. I'm not was. sure. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure when you grew up, but like honestly, when I grew up, nobody yeah. talked about it. No, it wasn't yeah. even like yeah. the word like anxiety i didn't even i didn't hear it till uh, i was in college man yeah um yeah and i uh i think first time i moved out i was 16 i moved out with my girlfriend and that was a disaster because we were 16 (laughs) i'm like wait you're telling me at 16 it didn't go well (laughs) no no so that was a that was disaster Mm -hmm. uh so then i i I didn't handle the breakup very well and that's when uh uh, I think things really started plummeting for me. Mm. I started like really looking for better ways to kind of alleviate my uh, my suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a bad experience with uh, uh, psychedelics, um, and I actually I was going through a psychosis for a while, and mm. uh, uh, this is actually how I was introduced to like uh, like mental health. Uh, so I thought I had schizophrenia because that's yeah. all I know from social media mm-hmm. is hallucination means schizophrenia. Yeah. And I, I go see a psychologist and uh, she's like, no, it's a drug-induced psychosis and you have generalized anxiety disorder. And mm-hmm. my whole world just like uh, exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think this is kind of when I really uh, went off in a trajectory in my path because I was kind of... Uh, the way they kind of expressed this to me or the way I interpreted what they were telling me with this uh, this label is that like my brain my brain is like not whole and I need uh, medication to alleviate it. So mm-hmm. they gave me uh, gave me an antidepressant. I started taking that and then I couldn't sleep because yeah. I've had insomnia my whole life. So then they gave me a sleeping pill and then, uh, oh, you have substance problem here. We'll give you this other pill. And I, I was on like four or five different prescription wow. pills. And it was just. What they give you for your substance problem? Yeah, I think it was called Toplamax, maybe. Okay. Something like that. I think Toplamax. Yeah. Yeah, because I know, I realized there was a few different yeah. pills, eh? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just, it, it's hard to like really, uh, like scrutinize what, which medication was doing what. <laughs> yeah, but fair enough. It if makes you, well, once you're at four, eh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's just. <laughs> fair uh, enough. Just makes you really loopy, though, and it's, yeah. I don't know if it helped. I don't think it did, mm-hmm. but it, uh, maybe it helps for some people. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, and then I uh, actually, that's when I, I started getting into hard drugs because mm-hmm. uh, I think I just really wanted uh, something more because what I, I, I wasn't like, 
filling the hole. Um, and then, yeah, life got, uh, life got really chaotic for a while. I went through uh, a lot of overdoses and suicide attempts mm. and uh, homelessness. And uh, um, yeah, things got a little, things got a little crazy for a long time. I'm really lucky to be alive today. I don't, yeah. don't even know how that happened, but uh, uh, yeah. And then I uh, uh, fast forward and I think 18 years old, I, mm. I started kind of my first introduction to actually like drug specific recovery outside yeah. of just like mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I actually did a, did a day program at ADAC and mm-hmm. that was kind of my uh, first kind of thing. I was still trying to balance using alcohol without mm-hmm. using drugs. And uh, uh, that was getting really destructive because I was just replacing drugs with like self-harm at that point. Yeah. And uh, that was my new kind of discovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went self harm, like cutting and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So that was a that was a theme for a while around mm-hmm. then. Um, and it's just like I think the uh, the drugs just they're so intense, like what they do for the brain, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a really shocking thing to like for the first time trying to get off that and uh, yeah. trying to alleviate that. Um, and I think I was still taking pharmaceuticals at the time. Um, but yeah, so no, I went through that, and it took me it took me a while to. Uh, kind of realized that the way I was drinking was actually equally, if not more destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going through, I, just, I would just get like at that time, uh, like really manically depressed when I drank and yeah. it was just, uh, uh, so I went through another kind of bout of homelessness and, yeah. until I, I stumbled into Renfrew and I think I was still, yeah, I was still 18 at the time. Uh, and I was actually introduced to uh, 12 step at the oh, time. Okay. Um, at 18, what was that like, man, to be in Renfrew at 18 years old? That place is like, <laughs> seriously, that's a scary place, man. Yeah. Uh, before that, I'd only gone to, uh, through hall services. I went to, uh, yeah. the youth detox and they take you like skating and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now you're finding out that Renfrew's not taking no, you skating. No, no, yeah. but they give you Valium. So it kind of makes Fair sense. enough. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a trade off. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was really like really intense. Um, mm. Yeah, it's hard to express because I was I was drinking really heavy. Yeah. Prior to going to Renfrew, that was like that's the most I've ever drank. Because uh, so I was. Do you think at eighteen you were chronic already? Like you were getting the shakes and stuff. Eight, and, yeah, eighteen. Like yeah. I was I was drinking up to like forty ounces a day. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I haven't. That was like my peak. As now far you're speaking as, my language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was my my peak and my mm-hmm. my drinking for sure. Um, yeah, because I was still kind of like relatively off the drugs yeah. so it was i was just everything was uh um yeah because i i had a an older i had an older girlfriend at the time who like taught me that if you keep drinking the next morning mm-hmm. your hangover goes away <laughs> what uh what an epiphany she that was, was. Smart. oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. So that was my worst. Like I was, uh, yeah. like I would, I would have seizures if I didn't uh, yeah. keep drinking. Like it was, um, but there was also like people like coming off of like heroin and just yeah. like screaming. And it was uh, interestingly enough, though, more people die from alcohol. Eh? Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, people, coming off of alcohol, I should say. Well, people were really like toxic. I remember around for like, oh, you just drink and do this. Like I'll do that all weekend and be fine. And mm-hmm. like people are actually like, there's almost like an ego thing. It's really yeah. interesting. Right. Like there's, <laughs> there's totally that. Yeah. It's like a class war within the yeah. alcohol is like, everybody's like uncle, but then you've got heroin. who's like the reign supreme. Yeah. Like, cause <laughs> people, that's the hardest one apparently to come off of. Yeah. So they yeah. say, 
but it's not the most dangerous. One. No, no. Yeah. It's, uh, Alcohols it is. Yeah, I should have chose a cooler one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I should have went back and done some math. <laughs> should have really yeah, mixed it up a bit. Yeah, mixed um, it up. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like the one the one benefit I think with like the alcohol withdrawal compared to like an opiate is it's just a lot quicker. Like yeah. after five days you're relatively yeah. fine. And yeah, that's that was I. I no, there's one guy when I was there it really scared the shit out of me. He was, I think he had been there three weeks and he was still like coming down. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like that's just crazy. Like, could imagine. Um, well, because if you mix them, right, then it just gets real complicated in your body. Yeah, yeah, no, it's intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it definitely like eye opening, but I also like, I think my, like my whole headspace uh, um, at that time was just. I, I never wanted people to look at me, and I yeah. think this just comes a lot with having three older brothers and mm-hmm. thinking, like, I can't do this, or, like, I just always want to be uh, um, the most whatever in the yeah. room, and that's just, I think, uh, you know, my mental health was never really validated growing up, and so I think as a response, my brain just always, like, requires attention that mm-hmm. way. Okay, um, yeah. So, like, seeing people, like, who are worse off than me, it makes me almost, or at that time at least, made me want to, like, almost be the worst and mm-hmm. and seek that. Oh, and, wow. So you were, like, actually starting to seek out harder things. And not quite yet, but it was it was yeah. developing in my brain. Okay. Like, okay. that's, oh, like, I wonder, I want to have that experience. Mm-hmm. I even remember, like, uh, so cocaine was kind of the first uh, harder drug I got into. Yeah. And that was, that was when I was 17. I started using it regularly. Um and uh yeah i actually i used it one night with friends i had an okay time and i i remember like super crazy but i i had this thought you know i want to get addicted to cocaine to see what the experience is like uh really yeah and i don't you had a plan (laughs) i had you were a man with a plan i I succeeded (laughs) it worked (laughs) (laughs) yeah it wasn't uh not at all what i thought it would uh be no i was but super. that's far out, man. That that's very interesting to me. Like it's super interesting. Like it went it's, through your mind. So yeah. You started planning out doing cocaine. Yeah, like after the I did it once when I was fifteen. Like yeah. that's that was the first time I actually did it, so yeah. to speak, if you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, I just like I want to see what this experience was like. And mm-hmm. I think, I think just like one of the biggest things I've biggest themes for me growing up, and uh, even at times like now, is just indifference and just like mm-hmm. not really caring and i think that comes with like a lot of mental health just like the yeah. desire to self-sabotage and oh, self-destruct yeah. and just see what happens and again you're speaking my language yeah so <laughs> um but yeah no after uh after renfrew yeah i started the uh aa thing and uh mm-hmm. you know before i was like very like anti like religion and i was yeah. raised very very christian and like very restrictive home and uh mm-hmm. so i had a lot of uh like a um, resistance towards that, but well, you're the only one in this room that would have sure. that kind of resistance. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, no, I got really big on it. That I like kind yeah. of rediscovered kind of a, a relationship with a higher power. And uh, cool. Um, how how was that for you though? Like coming from that old religious religiosity into like a higher power frame of mind. Uh, honestly, in a way, it felt like really natural. And uh, yeah. I think what shifted, like, because I'm I'm. And you probably know it's now, but like I'm Buddhist now, mm-hmm. right? And uh, um, so I think the part that felt really natural for me was because uh, before I would almost I wouldn't identify as anything, but almost yeah. like nihilistic, like there's nothing, science, yeah. right? We die and become the ground, whatever. Yeah. And uh, 
Um, so I think the part that felt natural is just reopening myself to uh, something mm. that there's something greater than yeah. this and there's some deeper meaning to life yeah. where you just like work and die and that's it and, <laughs> but I think the part that did feel unnatural was uh, like the Christian religion doesn't feel like a fit for me yeah and so I uh, like that I it took me years a few years mm-hmm. to discover that but uh, yeah no just like just kind of like accepting that there is meaning to life and there's mm-hmm. significance to what I do and and what I don't do mm-hmm. um, that's no it felt like I think that's like the most natural thing a human being can think yeah. right I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's people that we're arguing with us right now, but yeah. well, when they hear this, I always say right now as though it's live, but it's not live. That's right. <laughs> it feels live. Yeah. Well, whenever they hear it, it'll be right now. Yeah. For them. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I honestly think like that's just like the most natural thing for mm-hmm. humans to do is like find a way to find meaning to yeah. their life and. Hence why there's so many religions, right? For sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, right? Yeah. And even like science these days is very like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I read like new age physics books and I feel like I'm reading like a, a Buddhist text or something. Yeah. It's, it's, well, there, but yeah. there are some like new age physics uh, stuff like, um, what's that guy's name? Deepak Chopra? Chopra. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I get it. He's kind of a clown, right? Mm. He seems kind of like, like he's far out. But I, I just listened to, I li- not just, I listened to a book last year by him and his son. Oh, okay. Maybe. It, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically taking the quantum physics and turning it into the spiritual realm. Do you interesting. Know I mean? Yeah. That's super so interesting. It, it was a super interesting book. I understand Deepak is kind of flowery and foofery, mm-hmm. but, but in general, I thought the book was really neat. Yeah. yeah. I'm but, really into that, actually. Yeah, are you? I, I, well, I... Like I, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the title after we're done. Yeah, I would appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry for interrupting you. Man. Oh, that's totally okay. I'm, and it's funny because just before we started, I'm like, dude, I'm gonna try not to get in your way, and then here I am getting in your way. I got ADHD, so like <laughs> tangents are like the most natural thing for oh, me. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad that that's the way <laughs> yeah, your brain works because sure. mine too, man. It's nice, all over the nice. place. Okay, so where were we at? Uh, Renfrew. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, so I uh, I went out of that and uh, I went into a second treatment center. I was I, I forget if I said that. That's where I was introduced to Topamax. I went to a, a three week uh, treatment center in Pinoca. Oh, uh, okay. Current one. Yeah. Um, so I went to another one. This time I went out to uh, Claire's Home Care Center. Because um, mm-hmm. they're are dual diagnosis. Out they're there, dual she? diagnosis, yeah. and they also like. Uh, encourage you actually no i think it's mandatory to go out to like the meetings in oh, okay. so, so that yeah. was uh i got really sold on this aa thing actually mm-hmm. um i think what uh what appealed to me i had so much like i heard about AA. i thought it's the most ridiculous thing in the world but then at renfrew just like hearing people's experiences uh where they came from it was very mm-hmm. real to me and i was like okay this isn't as superficial as i thought right like yeah. uh just hearing people like like way worse than me like going through the uh the transformation uh it was just like really opened my mm-hmm. open my eyes and actually like i think it was the first time in my life i really felt like any sort of hope mm-hmm. and uh uh so well, i just got, got goosebumps buddy yeah, yeah it was first time like literally first time like maybe there's a life for me yeah. somewhere in this yeah. world <laughs> um so yeah i went crazy and like as i like everything in excess i think i i started the steps and i was on step four by like day two and like <laughs> yeah well that's a that's a bold leap right there i i didn't know you that's were supposed to do action. it with someone or yeah. i just i just went for it and, <laughs> good for you yeah and uh yeah I, I think uh 
uh, I started uh, I started finding because this is the first time I really started to wanted to do the entire abstinence, not mm-hmm. like this. I'll do this, not do this, but yeah. complete abstinence. Uh, I think I stayed sober for maybe two months, six weeks, something like that, and mm-hmm. and then I started a cycle for the next few years of of you know sober two months, drinking four yeah. days, on and off forever, and uh, yeah, I think I just quickly started discovering that uh, it's not actually like that easy to stay sober for some people and there's more to it than just deciding to quit drinking and Mm -hmm. uh um i quickly i i was i was doing therapy there i was just slowly uncovering more and more like content about myself and about you know why i act the way i act and uh i got really into psychology too and just Mm -hmm. like um it makes sense to study what you're what you're going through though right yeah for sure it's like i i think it's so that's the most difficult part, I think, for any individual, like, starting, not just recovery, but, like, any sort of, like, any sort of condition that leads to self-destructive and harmful mm-hmm. behaviors is to be, like, I'm this terrible human being because I keep doing these things and I want to be a good person, but yet I, you know, to, mm-hmm. to want to investigate why. And, um, yeah, I think it's just super, like, super validating and almost uh, uh, reassuring to just know, like, there's just, like, stuff that happens and like this is there's a reason you're not just a shitty person and yeah you know that's yeah. not the reason um can i ask you a question about that yeah just just because you come from the christian background yeah so do you think that when you're when you start thinking about yourself as like a shitty person do you, is that connected to the christianity because mm. sometimes when we feel we can't stack up right so i'm just kind of throwing my own shit in here obviously but when like as a christian when you when you are taught that if you're obviously not doing something right if bad things are happening to you, right? Yeah. Is that hard to kind of separate as you... I think I think it more like you're looking at why I... Uh, like connecting shame with behaviors. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, I think honestly, like the, the religious piece definitely plays a role in that, but I think mm-hmm. more it's just kind of how I was raised. And uh, okay. um, I, I think it was really difficult for my parents because they didn't know right i had my like first suicide attempt when i was six years old like they mm-hmm. didn't uh they didn't know and they uh so i had all this mental health stuff that i didn't know how to express and they were very much yeah. just kind of trying to tell me like you're fine everything's okay just do what you're supposed to and uh mm-hmm. so i don't think they were very supportive in that but in their defense they didn't uh have a clue you know what i mean clue, so yeah so i think uh what was their take on, on mental health when you were young? Like, do you even It remember? wasn't even a thing. It yeah, they like, didn't even have a take. Probably. Literally, like, it was not a concept in my brain. And yeah. I think, uh, like, and now, theirs either, now right? they're more aware, obviously, and uh, naturally. Yeah. They had to deal with me for how many years. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have to deal with you. They got to learn from you, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so I, I think it was just, like, there was just that connection of, uh, there was no there was no correlation it was mm-hmm. just like the standards that were set for me is this is how you're to behave yeah and if you don't behave this way you'll be punished and that's yeah. all the conversation was not like yeah. why are you behaving this way it's just yeah. you need to do better and and if you don't you're punished yeah exactly and yeah. like and i'm sure that's how they were raised and i'm mm-hmm. sure that's how and so on and so forth 20 generations back right mm-hmm. it's um so i i think that's and i think there is still the correlation with the religion, but I think that's more where that comes yeah. from. No, I, that makes sense to me, man. Because sometimes yeah. the religions get built into 
the parental structure, right? For sure, and even like government and everything. Yeah, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here. I'm just, <laughs> it just, it strikes me as we each have a reason for our shame and our guilt, mm-hmm. right? And I, I find even if people are not coming from a religious background, there's still a manner of building up shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's not the be-all and end-all of shame and guilt. Yeah, it, no, It's more sure. what's built into the systems of our parents because they didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Because there was no like concept of mental health, right? Yeah. Well, maybe back then the only concept was, well, we put him in the hospital and he gets a lobotomy. Like yeah. I don't, I don't really yeah. know how our parents thought about it. Back yeah. Then. No, it's you know, <laughs> or if if they, yeah, it's or maybe they were afraid that if they did get you help, you'd have to have a lobotomy, and they didn't want that. Yeah. Because I can imagine there was a lot of fear. Yeah. No, I I can. Yeah. Well, I I always thought when I started. Uh, like uh, when I was telling you about when I was going through that drug abuse psychosis, mm. and like thought I, I just you know I what's that show The Beautiful Mind? Oh yeah. I was just like I guess I have schizophrenia, right? Yeah. And I thought because in terms of it was just like anxiety, like mm-hmm. anxiety, that's it. And uh, but I thought I was like worried I was going to get locked up in the hospital forever, yeah. right? And because that's just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think there was also like for me, uh, it was really hard. Uh, like I said, big family, and so mm-hmm. my my three older brothers took a very like. Uh, like very traditional path in this yeah. society, you know, go to school, get good grades, go straight to university. And uh, mm-hmm. so I saw, you know, three older brothers who were never being punished and were always doing what they were supposed to. And yet here I am, just keep acting out mm-hmm. and not, you know what I mean? So I saw that and I was like, I'm supposed to be my brothers, not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I didn't. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got you. I didn't yeah. think there was, I never learned to understand that there was a significance and a greater reason why i was acting out the way i was mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it was so your benchmarks were your older brothers and yeah when you couldn't add up to them that's when it started happening yeah for okay sure. i got you yeah I got you. so i think i think that was a big piece too yeah yeah brothers are important right siblings mm-hmm. are important yeah for sure um, where were we at i think we were we were out of renfrew oh yeah so yeah uh yeah so i don't know i the next three years was like crazy and chaotic and mm-hmm. a lot of uh yeah because you said you were in and out yeah every so, few months yeah yeah for about, it was about three years ago three years of i i went to diff i went to seven or eight different treatment centers mm-hmm. and sober at treatment get out homeless and i at that time i started experimenting with every drug and mm-hmm. uh like shooting up meth and i did mm-hmm. like heroin and fentanyl just everything right yeah. and i was just I would become destructive. I would drink and then I would just literally do whatever, whoever mm-hmm. I ran into on the streets, like whatever. I would just. Whatever they had, you would just do it. I would go with the flow in a very <laughs> destructive way, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. Um, yeah, and I was just like. That was your preliminary to becoming a Buddhist, though. Going with the flow. No, I you just, were going with the flow. I just man. chose a different flow now. That's right. That's right. Now <laughs> yeah. it's different. But it was, yeah, just almost listen, very like deep rooted, like nihilism, nothing matters, I don't care. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was, it was really conflicting for me because I was in this, uh, you know, deeply committed to changing who I was and, uh, and finding a meaningful way of living my life. And I would be really hard into the uh, 12 step thing uh, when I sobered up and I would be, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Recovery and I would do everything right and go over and above. And then, there'd be a snap and I would be like such a, just the way I act. I was uh, just very destructive, not to myself, to the the way I treated other people. It was like really bad. And uh, yeah. 
I don't need to go into it, but uh, it's okay. Yeah, it was yeah. just like this very, very confusing for me, right? Because I was mm-hmm. just like seeing who I was when I used. I just saw myself as like this, this evil person, and like all this yeah. darkness that comes out when I drink and use, and and then it was just so like <laughs> equally contrasted when I was sober. Yeah, uh, isn't that crazy, man? Oh yeah, because you're like such a nice human, dude. Like, yeah, seriously. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. But I've never yeah. known you not to be a nice human. Yeah. Mind you, I've never been out with you when you're drinking or using. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, but you are a good human. Yeah. No, and I, uh, and I realized that, like, and I, uh, um, I, I started to question. I, I stopped, uh, I don't really, now and then I'll go, uh, I, I, I don't really go to 12 step anymore. I, mm-hmm. I hit this point, uh, and that was, yeah, it was about three years into, uh, recovery, I think. Um, I just, like, realized, like, I wasn't growing anymore, mm-hmm. um, in, and what I was doing in my recovery, uh, I just felt like I was I was staying stuck. Um, at the same time, I started getting uh, memories back of trauma. And so what? I think I was 21 or something then. Um, so I, that was naturally very confusing and uh, yep. super confusing. Uh, oh, my God. I remember when it came back to me, man. <laughs> yeah. Mine came back in my early 20s too, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Un, like an unreal experience since... Oh, it's it's yeah. fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, and and at the same time, I was introduced to uh, refuge recovery. Um, okay, right on the uh, Buddhist recovery community. Uh, so I decided to try that. I was still like, uh, which was difficult because I was still uh, a practicing Christian at the time, mm-hmm. and that was conflicting for me because uh, there's like a lot of shame in my family about not being. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I I, I did my. Uh, I went to that. I did my first meditation, and uh, one of the one of the phrases we meditated on was uh, "suffering or happiness is created through one's relationship to experience rather than experience itself." Mm-hmm. And this is just like literally not even a week since I've started getting memories back trauma, and it was just yeah. something just I don't know opened up in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started uh, I started doing that practice more. I started meditating, um, and I was still kind of doing my same thing of. Mm-hmm. Sober drinking, sober yeah. drinking, and being destructive when I drank. And uh, um, I don't know, maybe half a year later of just kind of dabbling with this meditation thing mm-hmm. in this community, uh, I went to a really worst bot, one of my worst bottoms I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was uh, re-traumatized by a role model in a recovery community. Uh, I had uh, I had a couple consecutive suicide attempts i uh oh, buddy. there was a violent incident in the group home i was living in so i got kicked out uh mm-hmm. and then i had a very very bad uh fentanyl overdose all within like Jesus, buddy. all within like three or four weeks and it was uh, uh yeah i uh my brain was like mush i mm-hmm. um i was working with someone with john howard society and they set me up in uh, a low-income apartment and uh they forgot to cancel the request because I went to treatment and then left like a day later mm-hmm. and they forgot to cancel the thing. So they're like, I guess you're supposed to move into, uh, this is the mustard seed. So they have the uh, low income bachelor suites. Is that downtown? The, yeah. The yeah. tower? So there? it's right. Yeah. Okay. Right next door to the, uh, the shelter yeah. place. Um, yeah. So I, that building's nice. Yeah. But I, building. it's, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I think they built in like 2010. Uh, very small, but really nice. Yeah. Really nice building. Um, yeah, Look so at me standing up for the seed, eh? That's right, mustard seed. You go. 
<laughs> yeah, it's no, it's a, it's a really so, yeah. I'm nice sure the home. apartment was like tiny, but yeah, but uh, much better than the uh, the alley I was sleeping in. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm imagining it was a little bigger than wherever you were sleeping. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, my uh, my caseworker John Howard, she called me. She's like, you know, I don't know if you're in this uh, space to do this, but mm-hmm. it's available and. Um, so I said, okay. And I was just so lost at that point. I, yeah. I was just like, so ready to give up, you know, three years in recovery and nothing was working. And, uh, I said, okay. And I, I moved in and I, I, I think just, I've never had my own home before, uh, even like moved out, uh, or moving out with girlfriend. And when I've moved out on my own before, it's always been like renting a room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. some, it was my first time having like my own space. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't know. I just like just had this strong like feeling i was just like i can't live like this anymore mm-hmm. like i want to i want to do something different um and so i decided i was gonna start taking this this buddhist practice and mm-hmm. seriously and uh i like still wasn't identifying as buddhist then but yeah. i was like just the whole refuge recovery i was like this is going to be my life now yeah. and i'm going to uh it's a good program yeah it's amazing yeah. i don't uh, i don't really go anymore but like it <laughs> changed my life for sure yeah um yeah, so I, I started that. I got really into that, and that's uh, I don't know. I think it's been it's been three and a half years since I started my practice, and just like I don't know, everything started uh, uh, changing. I started. Um, uh, I finally realized, you know, like um, just because I I drink and use, like I don't need to be a shitty person. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I started like applying harm reduction to my mm-hmm. drinking and my using, and it just like it really started uh changing how how relapses looked for me and not just like how they looked but how long they lasted and uh um yeah i don't know and i uh i had this weird thing happen and uh you know i I, the as i said the suicidal ideation started six and i Mm -hmm. think you know every day until what like 22 like there wasn't a single day i was actually like genuinely enjoying being alive Mm -hmm. there were days like i didn't want to kill myself but it was never like i actually like appreciate being alive and uh yeah, i just that, had that, this sorry go ahead yeah i just had this uh like profound shift one day mm-hmm. i was just walking down the street nothing was happening and i was like we i had this thought like what if this reincarnation thing is real and i have to keep mm-hmm. come back and keep doing the same thing <laughs> and I, it, was, it was just like yeah. a silly thought but like it's just not silly at all man it just <laughs> shifted like everything and like yeah. since then like just the desire to like it's not even like the desire to be dead is gone it's more like the desire to be alive just like awoken me yeah. and uh i think that's what really started changing mm-hmm. the the relapse that's me. cool man yeah it was the crazy craziest experience uh i think that was like the biggest thing that really like shifted where my recovery was going mm-hmm. and what directed me to where i am today that yeah. was like the the pivotal pivotal moment for sure right on yeah no it was it was intense it sounds like it the interesting thing about it is that when <clears throat> for anyone who doesn't maybe understand i don't know about yourself but for me just because i wasn't thinking about suicide doesn't mean i wanted to be alive exactly right? yeah like, that's exactly. what i was going to say i didn't want to run you though oh yeah. but it just kind of cut it carries it just crawls along with me, us like a like a fucking black dog right yeah and like even if it's not an active thought or even yeah. like even present there's still like this energy and heaviness with yeah. it yeah you know totally. and that just kind of plays out in, in everyday life right because yep. you just get used to having that feeling right yeah yeah, yeah and it's uh it's actually like now that like 
it's been it's been a few years but uh I mean, it's just like actually crazy for me to imagine that I live for that long, not like wanting to be alive. That's actually crazy. It's just kind of crazy. It's uh, it's like hard to even like, you know, that was me. It's hard to, uh, I don't know, hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really, really sad way to live. Yeah, well, you know what? It really, it, it does get sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's difficult. It um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, uh, it's been a, it's been a really... I guess long process the mm-hmm. last few years. Uh, yeah, so I still like I still have slips uh, relatively consistently, mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, what really changed for me is uh, actively trying to apply harm reduction mm-hmm. to my day to day life. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's actually uh, it's just really profound seeing. I think uh, that was hard for me with twelve step. Uh, yeah. There is a lot of like, well, it's an abstinence-based program, and that's uh, difficult for people who are struggling to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I really struggled with the, I heard a lot of uh, extreme messages. Yeah. Um, and I love extreme messages. That's who I am. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like, I'm going to drink. If I drink, I'm going to die. And so I would uh, adopt that, someone mm-hmm. else's belief that if I drink, I die or whatever. So I would drink and go try to kill myself. And that's, you know, and... uh uh, but just actively trying to apply uh, that despite doing what I do, I can still be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still hold on to my values and my beliefs. I can still go to work. I can mm-hmm. still do whatever. Um, so would you like, would it be a slip even? Or would it just be like you being reducing harm? Like, I, I don't see, I don't even look at it as like a slip. As you're talking, yeah. I'm like, it doesn't sound like a slip. It sounds like you're doing this the best way you can. Yeah, the la- the language is difficult for me. Um, yeah, well, because that slip though comes from the the abstinence based stuff. Right? Yeah, and it doesn't come from harm reduction stuff. Yeah, so it's it's still yeah. I'm like redefining still for myself. For like, sure, uh, you would be mad. Like how this plays out in my life because it's yeah. uh, it is quite new for me still. To, for sure, uh, like consciously be like this is how I'm I'm choosing to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think for me, no, it's not really, doesn't really feel like a slip. There are mm-hmm. times when I feel myself drifting more than gotcha. other, and that's more I gotcha. when I, yeah. I guess, would associate the word okay. slip. But. Yeah, I was just curious, because I, I I think, like, there's a whole lot of ways to make it through life, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just abstinence. Yeah. Like, there's no, so sure. many different, that's one way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a broad field in between abstinence yeah. and being a fall down where I where we were right yeah like, for sure yeah and I mean I I don't begrudge anyone for doing this shit how they got to do it man. <laughs> this is hard yeah for right? sure yeah no yeah the language is uh no mm-hmm. the language is definitely difficult and but it's see that kind of stuff interests me Samuel because when when we come out of one life and we go into a new life mm-hmm. we carry some of those isms from that old life even if that old life is for like sure yeah AA yeah well, right. that was the foundation of my yeah. recovery, you know, the first three years. And yeah. I was literally like, Mr. AA, right? Totally. <laughs> and I and I can I can relate and I, I yeah. appreciate it because AA saved my life. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Me yeah. too. Yeah. But it isn't the be all and end all. <laughs> yeah. It's just a part of the, the whole spectrum, right? Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. But so I, I think I definitely like absolutely uh, carry mm-hmm. the language with me. And uh, yeah. it's just like supernatural. Yeah, I don't know. I think my... My whole approach to, I think, everything in my life today is just, like, trying to create space for 
myself to be flawed in the ways that I need to be mm-hmm. flawed, if that makes sense. A lot of sense. Um, You're starting to let yourself be human. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was just based off like kind of my whole childhood upbringing, I became a perfectionist yep. naturally, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's been, you know, the biggest thing, uh, trying to just allow myself to be me, allow myself to be human. And, yeah. um, you know, my, my core intention is to live in a way where it's safe for others to be around me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's important to me. Um, and so as long as, uh, as long as what I'm doing doesn't interfere with that, I try to allow myself to be okay with yeah. that. And that's a beautiful concept. Though, yeah. Dude. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, cause that, that was a problem before that, like, you know, when I first came to 12 step harm reduction was not an option, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the way I behaved, uh, the way I behaved when I drank was not safe for myself yeah. and not safe for other people. So at that time it was exactly what you needed. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it saved my life. I would be dead. Yeah. Absolutely. No, uh, no doubt in my mind. Um, so I, I think, yeah, harm, uh, abstinence, it's definitely great and serves a purpose. Harm reduction is great and serves a purpose, but like there's, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's different, uh, different things work for different people at different times in their lives. That is, that's the answer. Yeah. So different things work for different people at different times in their lives. Yeah. That's the answer. I wish, I wish everybody could see that. No, for that's sure. That's how it is. Yeah. Right. It's one of my secret wishes. Yeah. Well, I think even like looking at myself when I, uh, you know, I used to be very like closed mind and like, this mm-hmm. is the way that needs to be for everyone, not just with like addiction and, yeah. uh, but everything. Right. And yeah. I, I think it was just my way of like, uh, validating what I was doing for myself. Mm-hmm. Cause if this is right for everybody, then it has to be right for me. And, yeah. you know, just my way of trying to reassure myself. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. One of the most difficult things for me in recovery, I think is just like trying to mimic other people and seeing mm-hmm. what other people were doing while it was working for them, which is like, healthy to an extent yeah. but i wasn't uh balancing that with the uh, realization that i am my own unique individual and i do mm-hmm. need to find my own path and even yeah. within specific organizations i still yeah. need to find my my own way of being in this world yeah well that's the thing about those 12 step groups though eh? like they got no bosses man yeah they don't, they're yeah. only people there's only people that think they're bosses yes they're not actually <laughs> the bosses yeah. dude right Which i did not realize for a right. long time yeah no doubt <laughs> How, how was that realization? How did that feel? When you're, well, you just, no, I'm sorry. You said that a member offended against you. Yeah, right? yeah. So obviously that you you got part of the dark side yeah. of the 12 yeah. groups. Um, yeah, and I try, like, try to be very careful in like how I talk about that yeah, because I course. don't ever want to associate that with uh, a group, you know what I mean? But, but that's what I'm trying to do here too, right? Is help yeah. you, help, help separate that person from the group because the group yeah. is not like that. Yeah. That person is like that. Yeah, I know. Right? Like the individual had like yeah, yeah. decades of sobriety and like, uh, yeah. so that was like, uh, well, unless like, I don't know, that was a big shift and it's natural mm-hmm. that after that I wasn't really, uh, interested yeah. in 12, 12 sub yeah. communities and that, cause then the association is just created. But, uh, yeah. no, what I, uh, I think what I started realizing, yeah, after that experience that, uh, you know, sobriety, like there's so much more than just sobriety. And mm-hmm. up until then, I didn't really consider that. I thought yeah. I just associated recovery with sobriety. And yeah. that's not at all what recovery is about. It's a part of it. For yeah, it's sure. a part and, of it. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I, what I, what I started realizing that, like, I was just, I don't know, in communities there's almost like this trendiness to mm-hmm. like clean clean time and all that kind of stuff and uh very much so i just 
I guess what I realized, and, and that's when I, you know, started practicing the, the Buddhism was I was more interested in just like changing who I was. And, uh, I didn't want to, you know, cause obviously like the absence thing wasn't working. I didn't want to like, you know, have a little slip, go drink and then do a bunch of crazy, terrible things mm-hmm. that I'm going to, you know, have to carry around and be shameful for the next 10 years. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I, I want to, you know, find my way of skillfully integrating myself into community and mm-hmm. like, you know, not just not hurting people, but also like adding something. That's yeah. what I was, uh, that's what I was passionate about. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like, uh, I was surrounding myself with a lot of people that wasn't necessarily their priority. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it really like really shifted the way I saw recovery. Yeah. Cause obviously like, here's this person who's saying he's this person with this much clean time, mm-hmm. but yet he obviously is still very sick and, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It really opened my eyes, and uh, yeah. I don't know. It really launched my recovery, though. It, I bet uh, it did, man. I, I appreciate the, the respectful way in which you're talking mm-hmm. about it. I really do. Um, but in my mind, and in my mind, not but in my mind, it's those stories are just as important as the it saved my life stories. Yeah, and the reason yeah. is is because some people will come in to these twelve step groups and they'll think that it's going to be all fucking cake yeah. and roses, yeah. right? That everybody in the room has the same um, intention as you mm-hmm. do. But that's not true. Yeah. That is not true. Yeah. And so so I, I do. I appreciate mm-hmm. how respectful you're being about it. And I'm grateful you didn't say any names or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to get you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not because useful. I, no, because I appreciate <laughs> yeah. how respectful you're being. Yeah. Um, but I'm just that like that devil's advocate where I'm like, yeah. okay, but this is an important truth that doesn't yeah. need to be skipped over just because some organization might lose a member because they don't want to go to an organization where there's in a room full of 40 people, there's at least probably more than one mm-hmm. person in there who's not there for the same reasons as you. For sure. Right? And I think it's okay to know that. Yeah, no, that's, you're so right. And like, I think I, I always just get worried that I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate you. Let me do it for you. That's <laughs> I'm gonna, because <laughs> the last thing I ever wanna do is like, push him away from, mm-hmm. especially like, cause 12 step, like I, now and then I might stop by, but it's, it's mm-hmm. not my thing and I have no interest in making it my thing. Yeah. But it also, like, it's done so much good for me. There's amazing yeah. people in 12-step communities and it, it has saved my life. It started my of recovery. Course. And, uh, so, so, but you're, you're so right. And it's important to know mm. that there are unhealthy people there. And uh, That's all we're talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it is it is a part of it, right? It's, yeah. Well, it's just like, I don't know, like religion, anything, right? There's yeah. like unhealthy people everywhere and it's... And you know what? So honestly, like part of this conversation is like, I part again. This is just going to be a selfish thing. I don't want you to feel like you got to carry that dude's shame with you, mm. right? Mm. Because that's not yours. No, for sure. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But then it's interesting, right? Because then you're starting to think, well, I can't tell the story. Yeah. And and so that's where the abuser gets their power from, mm. right? Mm-hmm. When they can offend almost indiscriminately. Yeah. Right. Because we, we don't want to tell, talk shit about people, yeah. which is fair. And again, I'm not asking for the name. I don't yeah. want it. Um, it's not where we're going with this because that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. But that to, to, to exclude that portion of it, I think, does you and everyone else a disservice, right? Because you are not guilty of anything, as it sounds yeah. like, right? Yeah. Some motherfucker did his thing and it wasn't um, okay. Yeah. Right. And so there's no reason in my mind. Again, I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a ton of shit. Yeah. But in my mind, that shame ain't yours. Yeah. Right. 
I think that person doesn't, if that person wants to come to the rooms and not be ashamed, they should stop doing shit that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's, that's a really good point. I uh, think uh, that's my opinion. <laughs> I think like I always am just overcautious because I have a, mm-hmm. a hard time with like, so I'll, in the past, I'll say I've told that story, but mm-hmm. in a way I'll, I'll have said it that saying it was 12 step that did it. You mm. know what I mean? So I'm just always overconscious about how no, I got you. You know what I mean? And yeah. But we got all the yeah. time in the world to, to qualify it and to, to, to be respectful, <laughs> yeah. but also to be, you know, educational. Because I've been around yeah. the rooms for a long time, Samuel, and I've seen a lot of underhanded, dirty shit. Mm-hmm. I'm even sure that I've been a part of it at some time, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's after 15 and a half years in a room full of sick people, like eventually. I'm probably going to act out sickly at some point, and I know I did. At least once. Yeah, at least once. In my case, only once. Only once. For sure. Yeah. Darcy rolls his eyes. He rolls his eyes and does like a crucifix because he's like, I'm not lying, God, it's him. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry, man, we went off topic there. I I I just don't like the idea of other people carrying bad people's shit. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, and it's, anyway, that's, it's a bad habit and it usually comes it, with stuff like this. Right? Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about it. It's just like, um, I have this like innate desire not to let people suffer unnecessarily. Yes. Right. Yes. So if there's anything I could do, I try. Yeah. Obviously sometimes I'm an idiot, but yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I like that. He didn't even deny that I'm an idiot sometimes. He is obviously knows me pretty good. <laughs> we've, uh, we've chatted a yeah. few times. So, so where were we at? I'm sorry. I, I, I can't even remember. We were, I, I kind of diverted us to this, this thing about the, the groups, right? Um, with that person who offended against you. Yeah. Where were we going from there? Do you remember? Um, just that you, that wasn't for you, Buddhist, more Buddhist. Yeah, you started practicing um, more and more Buddhism. Oh, yeah. So I guess, um, yes, was, slowly that actually uh, shifted for me. And, uh, um, well, yeah, like eventually I started identifying as Buddhist. And, uh, you know, it's actually, it's really weird for me. Uh, well, what you asked me to come speak here four, really? four months ago. and Because yeah. uh, I don't, uh, it's, it's strange, like I don't, uh, I'm not really active in the recovery community anymore. But you're recovering. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's super, it's super odd. Like in, uh, uh, well, refuge recovery, as you know, mm-hmm. like they shut down. And, and since then I kind of just lost my home. Have they and, shut down for? Yeah. So the organization oh, disbanded because of, uh, the founding teacher's misconduct. And, uh, I heard about that part of it. So they branched into two, his group. And, yeah. uh, and I was, uh, it was very difficult for me mm-hmm. because, you know, I, have a bad habit of idolizing human beings and that teacher was like my god okay and yeah i found out he was a flawed yeah. human being it yeah. was upsetting and what was he up to anyway uh i stopped looking into it because oh, it okay. wasn't healthy for me yeah uh but i think he had like multiple uh kind of like inappropriate sexual stuff with okay. students and that's kind of what i heard too. like he never got charged so uh, basically the investigator said so against the stream meditation society they uh did a they hired their own investigator Mm -hmm. on top of the like the lawsuit the students were doing Mm -hmm. or whatever and his job was his or her job was to determine whether it was more or less likely that he did what these people are saying and so he determined that it was more likely 
So whatever okay. that means. Is, yeah, fair enough. That's stats. How do <laughs> yeah. you judge that, right? Uh, but then also, so that was against the stream, the mm-hmm. just the Buddhist Meditation Society, but then Refuge Recovery, because he wrote the book. Yeah. He was like using it to profit. And then he made a for-profit addiction treatment center. Oh, did he? With Refuge Recovery's name. And he's just doing a bunch of shady financial So he was doing what a locked from happening with yeah. traditions. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And he was just using... Well, and that's a like. There's no set author, right? It's yep. more anonymous, and yep. so he was just using it for like financial gain, which gotcha. is not really cool. And uh, well, but, not if yeah. not if you tell people to like get rid of your possessions. That's <laughs> certainly not cool when you have all the possessions. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> You're like, you don't get nothing, but give it to me. I'll take it from you. What do we do with our possessions? I'll just put it in my garage. <laughs> in my garage. <laughs> I will take care of it. <laughs> when when did it disband here? I I think it. Formally would have been like June, June that finally okay. against the stream, like his nonprofit Buddhist organization mm-hmm. was maybe a year before. Oh, okay. I think what happened when that came, it just made people start looking at him more. Yeah. And then made him like, okay, wait, he has a for-profit treatment center with this group's name and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And yeah. Like, that's actually not okay. And yeah. He was a huge idol for yeah. a lot of people. He, like, was, he was, yeah. The way he spoke and like his whole like... Yeah, or uh, it was just very one of my light. one of my closest friends, man. He's Buddhist too, and yeah. he he is like he he didn't talk really about um, what happened because yeah. I'm not sure he really knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did when I first met him. He was he talked about this guy quite a bit. Oh, the okay, guy who wrote yeah. the book, yeah. No, he was yeah something about him. He's just one of those people, yeah. right? And he's uh, like a guru or something. Yeah, like yeah. just and certain people just have that kind of charismatic feel and yeah. add that to a spiritual teacher. It's just yeah. like it's a lot, right? It is. It's it's overwhelming too, man. And also the group he started, Refuge Recovery. It's like the first like kind of thing like mm-hmm. that's like a twelve step, but not a twelve. You know what I mean? Well, it, it was just, wasn't it the first Buddhist recovery program? Yeah. So it was just so revolutionary, right? Yeah. And, uh, um, so yeah, but, uh, um, so a new group, so they branched off like Noah Levine. He's still, that's the teacher. He still has his own thing. I don't mm-hmm. even know what it's called. And then there's recovery, recovery Dharma is the, the second one that branched oh, off. Oh, okay. And so that's, uh, same kind of thing, but different. Um, okay. no, like there's no specific teachers. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing community, but I think I just like, I just, I don't know. I just, yeah. I kind of drifted and yeah, but there's an amazing community in Calgary and still great people there. And it's uh, it's a beautiful program, but I think so, I just. So what do refuge, what does the old refuge recovery meet under now? What's the. I, the... I don't know. So yeah, recovery Dharma is the one and okay. the one that's Noah Levine's. I'm not even sure. Okay. What it's so called. they're still here in Calgary using his book and stuff. No, like... that one's so oh. like the one. So it diverged. The one yeah. that's Noah, I don't think there's anything in Calgary. The oh, one okay. that's recovery Dharma. Is in Calgary. Okay, and, uh, cool. Yeah, no. And, uh, I'm glad you told me that because I had no idea. I've been telling people to look into refuge recovery. <laughs> oh no, yeah, Re- recovery Dharma. Now you're <laughs> like <laughs> typing it in and going, "Why does Dave want to get rid of me so badly? There's nothing here." It's OLA. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to LA. He must not like me. Yeah, it's true. Beat it. Yeah, no re- recovery Dharma. And yeah, it's okay. new book. Like yeah. it's it's a beautiful fellowship. There's right amazing on. people in Calgary. Yeah, recovery th- Dharma. Yeah, I think I just kind of like diverged, and I'd been away from it for mm-hmm. so long, and um, I think just my my attitude around recovery changed. And uh, I used to think like. I don't know. I used to associate recovery with organizations and mm-hmm. groups, and that's just like not my experience anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess as you know, like I started uh, running uh, last May. 
Yeah. Uh, Dude, you didn't start running. <laughs> like how he says that. Eh? I just started running. I jog <laughs> once a day. That's what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you just, know you uh, can run when you start off a conversation with, ah, oh, I was just running. I just, just started running. <laughs> just some light jogging around the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like 20 yeah. miles around the park. <laughs> just that's a big, so that's a big park. So when did you start doing that? So sports, I never really talked about that. Sports yeah. have been like my a huge part of my life. It was like until I discovered like the good drugs, that mm-hmm. was my good drug. And, yeah, uh, like running's been as, described as a good drug for lots of people. Yeah, it's, it does a lot. Um, but I would like I, I remember when I peaked with sports growing up. Uh, I was when I was fifteen, I think, grade ten. Mm-hmm. I was on two community soccer teams. I was on the high school soccer team. I was on a slow pitch team. And a drop-in adults hockey league mm-hmm. all at the same time. Like it was just so I had like every day a game and a practice almost yeah. every day, and it was my thing. So I uh, back in back in May is when I started like running, and mm-hmm. before I had only you know ever like took a running as a way to try to like uh, like quit smoking. Yeah. Okay. And at this point, like I, I wasn't smoking, and I was you know sober for a little bit of time and like healthy and mm-hmm. in a good spot. I was like, I just wanted something more in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, why don't I uh, like take up running, but not for a reason, just like do something healthy. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, I don't know, I've always wanted to run a marathon. So I signed up for a half marathon two weeks later and mm-hmm. did that. And it went really well. And so I signed up for a marathon. Wait a second. You trained for two weeks and then ran a half marathon? Yeah, it placed like eight or something. Fun? You must, <laughs> seriously, Dursty and I both just broke legs thinking about that. It was actually, yeah, it was, it was nuts. I, my knee hurts now. Uh, no, I, I found out my body's just like meant to be a runner. So yeah? I, I signed up for the marathon like right after that. I was like, I got to do this. Uh, so what? It's late May and I signed up for the marathon in October 26th mm-hmm. or 19th. One of the mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah. So I just, I started getting really into that and, uh, and it's just, it actually completely like what it's been almost nine months now. It's just completely transformed my life. It's yeah. un- unreal. Um, yeah. And it was just like the missing link, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I think I would get in recovery and just be all spiritual practice and like yeah. no leisure and just it would become all I do is spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Even out of AA, it was still just like all Buddhism and all this. Yeah. And it was just, there was no balance and uh, uh, I like no leisure. And uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know, I got really into that. And uh, uh, when I had my first slip, when I was training for the marathon, it was just like the craziest thing ever because uh, and I don't know, I just like, I had this like new identity that mm-hmm. started forming in my brain of who I am and uh, what I want to do and and how I want to uh, kind of live just on a daily basis. And uh, I don't know, it's just like something about like, oh, I got to go for like a 20 mile run today. Do I really want to like go do a bunch of drugs? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and well, like one, I like, I was still giving myself the space to do what I do, but yeah. I, I don't know, it just really, really started changing how I see myself and how I started feeling. Um, and just like the implications with like uh, mental health and how that mm-hmm. uh, impacts that. It's, no, unreal. And uh, yeah, so I started doing that. Um, and I did go through some tough times throughout the training, and that was brutal. And yeah. uh, like, there's nothing like really feeling out the shame and guilt of doing whatever and then going for a run, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, I know it almost You're became stuck like, with yourself, eh? Yeah, really like meditative because yeah. you know, I'm just going to run around for two hour workout, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so when I did the, uh, 
uh, when I did the marathon, I was like leading up to it. I was like, this is not going to be good. Uh, like the day before and like the morning of, I was really feeling it. Uh, my training was like naturally, I did it my way and I took up a training schedule. I was like, I'm going to do that. Not going to do that. I'm going to do this run that way. And you know, there's, it's like, there's a whole science behind it. Cause you're running 50 miles a week. And if you, you run too fast on certain days, you're more likely to injure yourself. So yeah. it's like this day I need to run slow this day. I need to run fast and like different workouts do different things. Yeah. And so it's just, it's very specific. And, yeah, uh, very much so, man. And so you have to like, really, if you don't have a coach or you have a, a virtual schedule, like yeah. it's really important to like follow the schedule yeah. and obviously like listen to your body. And I did nothing. I did everything my way. I like to run fast. And if I'm like lazy, I'll just run slow and like, mm-hmm. don't care. And, uh, yeah. So like going into it, and it's my first experience, right? So like, yeah. no, no regrets, but, uh, going into it, it's like, I really like, like didn't do this the way I did. And I had bad feelings <laughs> and now I'm here for this like 42 kilometer race. And, uh, Jesus, man. I don't even like driving 42 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there and, uh, uh, well, it's a community race and I'm fast. So I go to the front yeah. and I'm, I, I was in first place for the first first half of the race and around that i had injured myself because i did a 30k race three weeks before like that was a good idea <laughs> so yeah like 19 kilometers in i start feeling my foot get i like little... your style though man you just kind of go for it you're like i'll figure it out as i go along that's yeah, my my plans never work dude eventually you're gonna stop making them yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is far out man yeah so uh, yeah i got uh, i i got really injured uh my i got plantar fasciitis in both feet uh so both my right foot went around 19k and then my left foot started getting really sore and then uh i strained both my hamstrings my my left hip my right hip flexor like everything my right knee and mm. i just I was in like excruciating pain. I, I had to walk the last 12K and like every step I took, it was just like excruciating pain through my whole body. Um, Oof, sounds like agony, man. So yeah, like the last two hours was just like awful. I remember even one point, like someone like got injured. So there was a car picking the person up. I was like, oh, I just want to get in with them. And, yeah. But just, I don't know, pushing myself through that discomfort and like, because mm-hmm. this is something I wanted to do for years. And like, I've been training for four months, yeah. like how many days of you know working a 10 11 hour day and then going for a two-hour run yeah going to sleep and doing it again the next day right mm-hmm. like literally no life for weeks right yeah and, uh, it's just like such a powerful thing to just like all i thought about for four months is this marathon and here we are and like uh just like wanting to give up and it was literally mm-hmm. set up so here's the starting point you run 15k you run 15k so at 30k you walk right by the finish line and have mm-hmm. to go do another 12k right yeah and, but just pushing myself through that, I just mm-hmm. like really like just, I don't know, and uh, like applying it to my recovery, I just wasn't open up to this. Like I can really like do anything I want. I can mm-hmm. be anyone I want. And like no matter where I come from, no matter, you know, no matter what I've done in the past, no matter like, you know, what's uh no matter like the mental health, the addiction, all that, like it doesn't matter. Like I can mm-hmm. do anything I want to do and I can, yeah. you know, if something is a priority or important to me, I can get there and like yeah. I can be successful in any aspect of my life and Mm -hmm. you know that was what really awakened in me Um, and now i'm training for the iron man i don't even like i don't even care about the exercise anymore like i love it but yeah it's like not even like it's just like the commitments and it's uh it's so it's so powerful it's dude it's a huge mental yeah thing right like 
physical, of course, obviously mm-hmm. it's physically taxing, but yeah. to mentally make yourself finish that yeah. race, man, like crazy. <laughs> all I keep thinking about when you're saying, when you said that, I was like, um, that David Goggins guy. Oh yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, you guys, obviously, you know, you know who he is, yeah. but like, I just saw this quote of his the other day. It's like, I don't quit when I'm tired. I quit when I'm done. Yeah. That's kind of the same yeah. idea. Holy shit, man. David Goggins is a unique individual. He's a beast. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a freaking beast, man. Some of those seals, eh, and those former yeah soldiers, man, yeah. they're just beasts. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like that, though. Uh, yeah, I can, I can quit when I'm done. Well, you're, you've adopted the mindset without mm-hmm. even thinking about it, right? Like yeah. You've adopted. Well, maybe you have thought about it. I shouldn't say that, but um, you've adopted that mindset of not quitting mm-hmm. until you're done, right? Yeah. Not just from. The training with the with the marathon or running and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but with recovery as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and how you've started to lay out your recovery, it's very smart, right? Like it's not people will say whatever they want, but yeah. I don't know. I'm seeing like the very the intelligence that's gone into laying out your plan, mm-hmm. right? And not just like a intellectual intelligence, but like a being intelligence, mm-hmm. like a self intelligence, like that to be able to place this. Okay, like there might be slips, I might do my thing whatever, but I'm going to try not to do that when it's going to interrupt with my training mm-hmm. or with my, my running or whatever, right? Good on you, man. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Good on you. I think, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying when I, when I said, when I kind of got to that realization that uh, like 12-step wasn't, I wasn't growing anymore mm-hmm. and I needed to do something different, uh, you know, than applying harm reduction. I, 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 I think I just hit this point where it's like, you know, I have these goals in recovery, like I want to be this, but like it wasn't working and I just... Mm-hmm. You know, I decide, like, I can change the rules. I don't have to have, you know, like, there's more than mm-hmm. just, it's not even just 12-step. It's just yeah. specific people in 12-step that I heard exactly. their beliefs and adopted them. Like, yeah. um, but it's just, like, I can create my own rules, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to just, like, I just want to find a way of living in this world where I'm, like, I'm not hurting other people. Mm-hmm. And it's inevitable that... I will. <laughs> yeah. But, but not necessarily intentionally. Yeah. And not to such dramatic extents. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's what I want. And mm-hmm. it was, if that's my goal, like I can create the rules yeah. and how I want to get there. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, you absolutely can. I can find my own path to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely can, man. You're, you're a human being mm-hmm. who's fully capable of that. Yeah. You're given that frontal cortex, man, to be able to figure it out. Yeah. I think there's just like, like mental health and addiction, there's so much like, I think just so much like there's only one way to get there or there's not enough options, but there's literally like infinite amount of uh, uh, directions you can go. And that's, like, the, that's the key right there. Yeah. Man. There's an infinite amount depending on who you ask, mm-hmm. right? Because if you ask some people, they're going to tell you there's only one way to do it. Yeah. There's my way to do it or the other stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously you've heard that enough in the few years you've been around. I know I have heard mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. where it's like, your way Are you yeah fucking kidding <laughs> like seriously no, thank you. It, it, yeah it's like and it's weird how sometimes the the very most boisterous people who talk about their way are the worst off in the room right mm. like and they don't even know it yeah and i'm not saying they're worse than anybody else they're just in that that thick uh darkness of self-centeredness mm-hmm. right where you actually believe your way is the only way yeah and and that that's just destructive. Yeah. You know, I think as like I was saying earlier, it's just like, cause I used to feel that way so much. I think it just like reassures 
reassures yeah. the self that what I'm doing is working. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you, so I, and I don't, I don't mind telling you this, that I've watched you change mm. through the years. And I mean for the better, yeah. right? Despite whatever's happened, I've, and I mean for the better, like in terms of your health, right? Not the better, like you look like me or something like that. You don't. <laughs> Thank God you don't, right? It's, it's like watching the betterment of your health develop. And I, I mean, I'm watching it from a distance and I get that, right? But um, the reality is I can see the difference in the Samuel that I'm talking to tonight and the Samuel I first saw when he first came, yeah. came around, right? I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Like, it's exponentially different, man. There's like a Grand Canyon between the two people uh. now. And it has <laughs> it has very little to do with um, your method of recovery and everything to do with the fact that you don't quit recovering, mm. right? Because I think that's where people can get really off the path is when they quit trying to recover. Mm-hmm. It, because lots of times... Um, and I'm, I'm not throwing the 12-step groups under the bus. I'm really not. It's just that I'm going to talk about the abstinence-based programs. Mm. Those create, well, first of all, they create liars. Mm. Okay, They create people who feel like they have to lie, mm-hmm. have to hide if they're slipping or yeah. whatever, right? It's very black or white, right? Very black or white, yeah. And so that's kind of the same idea of other organizations that were offshoots of the 12-step groups, mm-hmm. like different treatment centers around yeah. town who adopted the 12 steps and and I mean, I did too, right? For yeah. my programming, I adopted it because yeah. the 12 steps. Once brilliant it, stuff in there. It is. Once they're, once they're altered slightly, they're even more brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like once you yeah. get rid of the, you get rid of some of the dogma from it. Yeah. I find them to be so brilliant that they could bring freedom to everybody. Mm-hmm, for sure. Once you, once I get rid of some of the dogma. Well, right? the principles in them and everything is beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. And honestly, that's what I do with people who are who I work with who are atheists. We yeah. work with the principles. Right. We don't work with any of the steps necessarily, except for the principles of them. Right. Okay. Right. Because it's more important, I think, for a human to live a principled life than it is to live one where they give glory to some deity or another. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It, the, to me, it's where we can give that glory to each other. If we're not going to be helping each other, we're not doing recovery. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Right? No. Absolutely. Yeah. I just went on a tangent there. <laughs> Dude, what is, is that Sanskrit around your neck? Yeah. Okay, uh, what does that sound for? So these are called the Brahma Viharas. This okay. is like a, it's a very like Buddhist practice, but it actually extends way before Buddhism as religions usually work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're called Brahma Viharas. They're like uh, practices of the heart. Uh, you'll probably recognize the names from meditations, but mm-hmm. this is, uh, uh, this is like, um, like unrelenting kindness. I like that mm-hmm. translation lately. Or yeah. like unconditional friendliness. I really mm-hmm. like. You might know it as like loving kindness. Yeah, metta. loving kindness. Uh, so this is quivering of the hearts, uh, which is like compassion. Mm-hmm. And then this is appreciative joy, just the quality of like appreciating the joy of other people. Mm-hmm. And then this is equanimity. Right on, um, man. Yeah. So these I like are, equanimity. That's a big one too. Yeah. That yeah. was that uh, phrase I was telling you about that first meditation I did. That was yeah. uh, equanimity meditation. Oh, was it? Yeah. Just, Far out, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would have been mind blowing too. No, for sure. These like, yeah, I got them. Um, like these are just completely transformed my life. They look just dope, like, dude. It was, the tattoo looks dope. Thank dude. you. I yeah, really, yeah. I'm really into it. I was worried about it, but hope this looks okay because it's on my neck. And <laughs> dude, it looks great, man. You did a yeah. good job. Where'd yeah. you get it done at? Uh, so, unless you don't want to give the name out because they were shitty or something. Like no, that. Uh, my <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, 
Joshua, he works as an apprentice at Immaculate's Concept. Yeah. So, yeah, he did from. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. He's your friend? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking A, man. Go check it out. Yeah. Go check out Sambo's friend. What's his name? Uh, Joshua. Joshua. Yeah, at Immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate Conception? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Immaculate Conception. Go check out Josh. Get a tattoo. Yeah. Tell him Samuel sent you. <laughs> You'll get no discount. You might actually be in more pain because who knows? Who friends knows? sometimes do that to each other. Yeah, yeah it's hard to, hard to say. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to talk about, man? I, I, I am so grateful you came. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think like, I don't know. I think I was expressing really good. I like, yeah, yeah I guess. Um, if you could tell somebody, except there's somebody out there in the dark and they're struggling you don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. But what you, what would you tell them about recovery? If you could tell them anything. I've, I've actually, I've, I've thought about this a lot lately. Uh, I think I'm, well, I don't know. It's, it's like weird for me, even just like talking about my story. Cause it's been, there's been so many, like, you know, I'm still in the process of really discovering, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm, I'm kind of fitting where, what recovery means to me. Um, mm-hmm. there's just, you know what I mean? I've been, to so many different communities, yeah. so many different things I've tried. Uh, but if you if you could take it from me, I could tell you you're still recovering. Yeah, I think yeah. like if I was gonna say one thing like to someone who is struggling is just like and relating to what you just kind of complimented me on about uh, perseverance is just that I think uh, that there is there is a place for everybody in this world, mm-hmm. and uh, it might not be. It's definitely not the way you think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Because it doesn't work that way. But there, I think, you know, there's a place, uh, especially with recovery, like, and uh, um, for, there's a lot of people who just, like, don't fit in in some communities. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. But I, I just, I strongly believe, like, there is a way to recover Yeah. for every person. And that means something different to every individual. But yeah. I think, like, there's something out there and yeah. that you just need to find it, right? And, right on. Um, it's not easy, especially if you don't, like, fit in in the more, like, known yeah. groups. But, like, there is... There's a place like mm-hmm. I've been through so much shit in my life and I just like, I don't know, like I've, I have an extraordinary life today. I like mm-hmm. absolutely like love my night, love my life. And for someone who like, you know, spent two decades of being like suicidal every mm-hmm. single day, it's just like I got through that. And, like I just I have an amazing life today and it's just yeah. all like come from like just from other people, but just through perseverance mm-hmm. and like not uh, giving up and just like trusting that there's something for me and yeah. uh, i found it right it's yeah i think that's what i would want to say right on well you just said it that's pretty good yeah. and i think you look great dude you look like you're you're ripped you're lean muscle <laughs> like seriously man good for you <laughs> thank you yeah thank you. thanks for coming tonight thank you for tuning in this week to the voices in recovery podcast please stay tuned every wednesday as we air another episode thank you for your time And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.